Three Eternal Truths, H. Spencer Lewis, FRC, Imperator, 1915 to 1939, and founder of the Rosicrucian Order Amarch. From Rosicrucian Digest, Volume 47, Number 6, 1969. Human beings are tempted to think that with the rapid changes taking place and the established value of things falling to lower values and lower degrees of worthiness and dependable foundations crumbling away, there is no one thing that is permanent and sure and worthy of being the solid rock upon which to cling for safety and security. But there are things upon which we human beings can depend and foundations upon which we can build, not only for the present, but for the eternal future. We can rest assured that as time changes and conditions vary, and values of all kinds rise and fall, these foundations will remain adamantine and eternally sure. We are seekers for truth, and pride ourselves that in our search we have contacted the thoughts and philosophies, the discoveries and speculations of the world's great thinkers. We are happy that we are banded together as an organization or a group of individuals for the purpose of exchanging ideas and thereby coming closer and closer to the great truths of life. We look upon these truths as the fundamental stones of a great foundation upon which civilization can build its structures and superstructures. We are sure that there are many great truths still unknown to us, and we never become weary of itemizing those that we now possess as fundamental principles in our lives. After years of search and study, and many years of personal contact with this great quest for knowledge, I have gradually come to the conclusion that there are only three great truths constituting the entire foundation for the great rock of human knowledge as revealed by divine illumination. These three eternal truths are the divine abides, humankind abides, and certain relationships between humankind and the divine abide. More than this, we cannot be sure of. Our search must center itself around the mysteries of that truth, which includes the relationships between the divine and people, and people and the divine. Herein lies the foundation of material and spiritual values. Herein lies the entire field of cosmic law and human obedience to such law. Herein lie the powers that people can exert and the powers that the divine does exert. Here is the mystery of our being, the mystery of our coming and going. It is in this field of study, relating exclusively to the relationship of the divine and people, that the Rosicrucians center their searching and inquiring minds. It, therefore, becomes a field of study, investigation, speculation, discovery, and ultimate revelation through experience. The knowledge we seek can come only through experience. 
which alone will reveal knowledge, and by re-experience of such knowledge, we attain wisdom. This great center field of an analytical study of the relationship existing between people and the divine has been turned at places into quagmires and beds of quicksand into which people have blindly ventured and have been lost. It has also been the blood-stained ground of religious battles and places of human persecution. It has been the site of monuments of intolerance erected by the self-appointed interpreters of untrue interpretations. It is the Valley of Armageddon, where millions of souls will be lost or millions saved. Beyond the Material In our search for higher and eternal truths, we conceal their simpleness by our false belief that they are many and difficult to understand. We create artificial values whereby we may judge truths, and in doing so, we use as a standard of valuation the material things of life. Right now, we are in the midst of a period when material values are losing their former stability, and we are discovering that material things have no value in actuality, but merely in temporary reality. We will find that the great rocks and foundations of material life are but the quicksands of our imaginary creation. The things that we have tried to hold fast to as being worthwhile are now proving themselves to be worthless and of such a corruptible nature that, like the wooden beam that supports the walls of a home and is eaten by the termites, the outer form looks solid and dependable, while the center is hollow and brittle and ready to crumble to dust. The world's greatest materialists are learning the lesson, and even those who in the past have centered their faith and hope upon material things now frankly admit that they have been grossly misled and have been fools in their thinking. One of Europe's greatest economists, Sir Josiah Stamp, president of the London, Midland, and Scottish Railway, as well as director of the Bank of England, once said to Bruce Barton in a conversation, We used to talk about moral values and material values as though they were two different and contradictory things. The Depression must have taught us that they were the same things, that without moral values, there can be no material values. There is only one basis of wealth, and that is character. The foregoing words were not the words of a preacher or a mystic or a philosopher, but of a hard-headed, cold, and deliberating economist— who with all his materialistic tendencies discovered what some of our philosophers have failed to discover, and that is that the spiritual values constitute the real wealth and power in our lives. Among other eminent people who have made a life study of material values and who must have walked deeply into the quagmire of materialism in that center field of study and speculation— to which I have referred, is Roger Babson. This man has become as familiar with the tendencies and trends of materialistic values 
as the biologist is with the unconscious processes of the living cell, and as the pathologist is with the germs and their actions under the powerful scrutiny of his large microscope. He can feel the distant and unseen pulse of business as keenly as can the trained physician feel the pulse of the human heart. He knows what every action will bring as reaction in the business world. He knows the value of time and its investment, of money and its power, of business and its possibilities, of speculation and its dangers, and of all the material things that human minds can conceive and create. Yet listen to what he says. Business depressions are caused by dissipation, dishonesty, disobedience to God's, the divine's, will, a general collapse of moral character. Statistics show this plainly. With equal precision, they show how business depressions are cured. They are cured by moral awakening, spiritual revival, and the rehabilitation of righteousness. Great in Science The scientific and materialistic world was shocked a few years ago by the sudden transition of one of its most high-powered and most critical scrutinizers of material laws, the eminent Charles P. Steinmetz, who was such a master of electricity and the other hidden secret powers of the material universe that he seemed to be almost equal with a divinity in creating and controlling artificial lighting. Physically disabled, one would have been inclined to believe that with his personal regret at the divine's gift to him of a disabled figure, and with his close study of nature's material forces, he would have been steeped so deeply in materialism that the spiritual values of life would have meant nothing to him. Yet this man said, and it is recorded of him in permanent form, in answer to a question as to what would be the next great field of research and revelation for the human mind. I think the greatest discoveries will be made along spiritual lines. History clearly teaches that spiritual forces have been the greatest power in the development of men, people, and nations. Yet we have been playing with them merely— and have never seriously studied them as we have the physical forces. Someday, people will learn that material things do not bring happiness and are of little use in making people creative and powerful. When this day comes, the world will see more advancement in one generation than it has seen in the past four. Think of an eminent scientist with the ability to control nature's forces, casting all of this knowledge and power aside and raising the standard of spiritual values to the heights of supremacy. People and Money It was by no coincidence of war or fabricated conditions beyond our control that all of the world was rocked in its material value and that the great divinity of money was shaken from its high pedestal some years ago and thrown to the earth where those who had worshipped it in adoration with gaze upturned and with the great light of the heavens blinding them to the true picture before them 
could now examine their God closely and see that it was made of that which was corruptible, that which was changeable, mortal, and the earth's grossest material. It was decreed in the cosmic laws and plans that people might be given the opportunity to sail in the heavens of material power and rise to the artificial heights of vainglorious worship in order that they might taste of the poison of material things and then drop to earth suddenly and be awakened from their dreams to true realities. A New Generation No government of any land, no ruler of any people, no political power of any class is responsible for the lessons being learned today, for the divine decreed and the cosmic carried out the divine will. Out of the ashes of this international fire will rise not only a new realization in the hearts and minds of those who have become old in their idolatry of material things, but there will rise a new generation of people who will cast the money changers out of the human temples and destroy the golden idols, replace them with spiritual things and characters of high morals and high ideals. Even the rising generation is passing through the crucible and through the fire of transition. In preparation for its great awakening and first stage of evolution, The new generation is intolerant of old customs and habits of fabricated morals and creeds, of age-old conventions and principles, and in the period of change, they have thrown to the four winds that which we have considered their characters and moral fortitude. But it is only part of the great change taking place, and already we see among the young people of the new generation the sign of restlessness. The sins that tempted them out of the high places of security into the valleys of evil and sorrow are no longer powerful in their ability to tempt and have already revealed their shallowness and their lack of ability to fascinate and enthrall. Gradually, the young people are realizing that in sin and evil, there is an end to all pleasure and to the variety of life. They have tasted of the inside of the cup and have drunk to the very dregs to find that the bottom was too close to the top and that life was not a mystery that could be found within the cup, but rather on the outside of it. Out of this discovery is rising a conviction that character counts, that goodness has its own inevitable rewards, and that purity of mind and soul will bring joy and peace as nothing else will. The closer we study the lives of those now in high schools and colleges, the more we find that the abandonment of several years ago and the utter disregard of moral laws and principles of last year are being thrown into discard, and that now goodness of some degree and spiritual values of some kind are entering into their consideration. The boys and girls alike, even in their teens, have learned the lesson that we adults learned only late in life. The weak are being led onward, while the strong ones are being led upward. Character is being remade, spiritual truths revealed, 
and new values placed upon life. This will continue until these young people reaching adulthood will constitute the new generation in a few years. To their bands will come the duty, the work, the labor of rebuilding nations, rebuilding our business principles, our home lives, and rebuilding our spiritual existence here on earth. Into their hearts and minds will come the inspirations and the urges from cosmic decrees to recreate life upon a new basis. We who are the losers today as adults will have to retire and remold our thoughts while looking upon the stage of life and seeing our offspring, the rising generation, daring to do that which we dare not do. They have dared to find whether the material things of life really held the power that we had claimed for them. They have seen us struggle and save, labor and stint, accumulate and sacrifice in order that we might place with our dependents these same material things that they are now finding worthless, deceiving, shallow, and easily discredited in the light of truth. They have dared to discuss freely and analyze those things that we looked upon as taboo or improper, unconventional or mysterious. They have dared to do what we did not dare to do, and they will dare to accomplish in the future what we have hesitated to do. Character will become the standard of personal evaluation, Gold will become the footstool beneath their feet, and physical and material power will be but as simple weapons in their bands compared to the spiritual power they will create and mature within their beings. Three eternal truths will constitute the triangle that will represent the emblem of their lives. The three truths that you and I must prove to ourselves now through our studies and our efforts to recreate our lives. Again, I say, these truths are the eternal truths which constitute the foundation of all existence, namely, the divine abides, humankind abides, and the relationships between the divine and humankind abide.